When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome into the latest edition here that podcast, Growlin. Paul Inner Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic, excited to be with you on a delightful Tuesday. Big week here in Cincinnati, Bengals, Chiefs. I was going to just have this be a scheduled tweet every day, Jay, and just kind of say it every day. Just going to be fun on Sunday. Gonna be fun it, on Sunday. I think it's something that we need to repeat every day this week. It really is. I'm 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 especially looking forward to this because I I was not in attendance for last year's Bengals Chiefs game. I, I actually tested positive uh, for COVID on New Year's Eve. Missed that game. What a game to miss. I mean, obviously watching on TV, totally different seeing it in person. And then we both made the crazy drive for the AFC Championship game. That was an incredible game. I just it the the whole way this is playing out going straight from Tennessee to Kansas City just like last year it just it's the weather's turning it's well it's going to be December on Sunday it just it has this real postseason feel to it um and I I can't wait I think this is going to be a fantastic game I thought you know last week did too and I think you've you've Mm -hmm. entered that I mean we knew this is what this was going to be right I mean this is what this portion of the schedule was going to be was going to be uh okay it, it almost feels like everything up until Tennessee was just kind of a warm up you know it was just kind of, was sparring uh was kind of getting yourself ready testing yourself against some of the really mostly middling opponents and getting everything tuned up and and ready for the real fight and it felt like that was round one last week against Tennessee, and this is going to be there's six more rounds uh, before the playoffs hit because every week is just kind of a grinder in a different way and for a different reason. The good news for the Bengals and Bengals fans listening to this is that uh, they're looking like one of the top contenders for the belt. I'm just going to keep going on this boxing thing. I don't know why. I wasn't planning on doing a boxing analogy, but here we are, you know. I'm trying to think of what another good one. <laughs> it, it's 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 all no. We don't we don't need any more. We don't need to go deeper in the box. There's a lot to get to. Um, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, something that came out of a Bengals social media video after the game, um, which was not the social media dance videos, which I'm very much enjoying. By the way, <laughs> these these dance videos that have happened the last two weeks uh, in the locker room. Uh, I need to talk to BJ Hill because I'm really enjoying his dance moves that that are being shown off. But that's not the one that we want to talk about. But a theme that came out of another one um, from growing Cincinnati legend Ted Karras uh, that I think is is an interesting one to talk about in the big picture of the entire the Bengals how they fit in the entire NFL picture and that includes the Chiefs most specifically the most talked about top contender uh, in the league. So we're going to get into that. There's a lot of ins and outs there, a lot of what have yous. Um, 
I want to talk a little bit about something that Tyler Boyd said and something that kind of came up about the concert of the Bengals and Chiefs and a rivalry. Um, another storyline that has emerged this week is a little bit about the whole Samaj P. Ryan's playing good. What are you going to do when Joe Mixon comes back? I think there's a lot of perspective that is important to have there. Mo Egger will join us, of course. Uh, we will do bets. And also I want to talk to him a little bit about um, this weekend and something else that he tweeted, of course. Uh, which I have thought about. We'll have Arby's, we'll have Run Passer Boot, and a Growler Bet recap, of course, to get us done here. But let's start with a little bit of news. Um, Jamar Chase looks to be back this week. Uh, that is good news, of course, for everybody. Uh, n- nobody is going to come out and say anything specifically because nobody wants to jinx anything uh, once Chase gets on and goes through Probably full practices this week, uh, but certainly more intense than they were last week. But yeah, Jamar Chase expected to be back on Sunday against the team where the last time he saw them inside Pagor Stadium, he merely, uh, you know, had 266 yards receiving three touchdowns. Franchise record. And mm-hmm. it, on the field before the Tennessee game, he it looked like he was playing. I mean, we knew mm-hmm. that he wasn't going to, but the work he went through the same exact workout that he would do if he was playing. The only difference was. When he's playing, he's first in line uh, as they all take turns catching passes from Joe Burrow. Uh, on Sunday, he was li- he went last. Well, Troy Walters always goes last wide receiver's coach, but he was the last receiver to catch passes. And that was the only difference. And he looked great the way he was moving around. And yeah, I just, I, it, it seems like that was just a, a, just play it conservative, uh, just being cautious. M- maybe it was a, a thought that they, they knew how that game was going to play out. You don't really need it's as crazy as it sounds. Jamar Chase to beat the Titans. They didn't need him, and now I mean to be three and one without him is is pretty remarkable. Um, and this offense has not. I don't want to say they haven't missed a beat, but they have they have really responded to his absence, and it's I just it's going to throw a huge issue in for these opposing defenses they're facing next when when he returns now because all these other guys are are building confidence and rapport with Burrow. Yeah, dropping him back into the stew that has happened without mm-hmm. him is a, a nice little luxury to have just to, you know, put Jamar Chase into the Trenton Irwin role. Um, <laughs> and so, and, and, you know, instead of the opposite. But yeah, I, you know, a couple of things about that. Something that we've heard said about Jamar Chase's return over the course is that, man, it, it, we feel like ev- we handled everything perfectly. And and that included a last bit of caution at the end. I mean, the idea of going out there and shoving Jamar Chase out there against Tennessee um, when he pro- when he probably could have gone or taking the one last extra step to assure that – what do we talk about? I mean, how many rounds is this potential uh, heavyweight fight to try to get back to the Super Bowl going to be uh, to make – to assure that you feel like Chase is all the way back without any question – I think is important. Um, you know, the aspect of, of making sure that, you know, the, the IR decision, right. Of, oh, maybe he could be back early, but more importantly, not placing him on IR allowed them to have him on the field practicing last week mm-hmm. and get that extra week of build up practice of kind of like a half practice, those limiteds, uh, to get him in the mix, get it going, not just doing anything on the side with the trainers. And now you get more into a full practice, makes everybody much more confident, erases all of your doubt about how his hip, how the bone, how the muscles will 
will respond, are responding in the confidence in him taking some pounding out there uh, in his first game back. So I, I think they they feel really good on what was a really difficult situation to deal with. I mean, you had you had uh, you had a fracture, you had these muscle issues, you had a very dangerous area. You had a lot of concerns from the very beginning about what this could be, and I think there's a lot of relief and a lot of happiness with the way that the medical staff handled this. You know, we had questions about how how it was handled in the very beginning. What is he doing back out there in the second half of that game? Did he re-injure it? How you know what actually happened there? The dialing it back and and kind of looking a little bit more out for the big picture and for Chase. I think is important to see how that's happened here. And it does appear that things were handled well. We'll judge that better when we see what he actually looks like out there against Kansas City. But for now, all things do appear to be on the up and up with that. Uh, Joe Mixon uh, probably will be back this week. Again, concussion protocol typically is one week. Uh, He's in it still, but he's just got to clear out of that. We'll know more as the week goes on, standard concussion stuff there. But you rarely see that uh, spill over into a second week. So expectations are he'll be back. of course, talk a little bit more about how much he will play upon that return here a little bit later. Um, otherwise, pretty clean injury injury wise, Jay. Yeah, there's there's not much. I, I they Josh Tupo. Um, I they he was inactive last week. I would not be surprised to see him be back for the the uh, Kansas City game. It it wasn't that. There were none that we are aware of that that cropped up in that Tennessee game. A couple guys left for a few plays, but they all came back. Um, so they they are for this time of year. They are about as healthy as you could hope for now. Uh, for for now, uh, yeah. And and you know DJ Reader back in full, of course, still Chido. Chidobe Awuzie missing for the year because of the ACL is really the big major one that uh, has has hung out there. But yeah, things rounding back into form for them health-wise as they are rounding back into them on the field. Uh, I want to talk about this. Um, is this started after the game and the sort of celebration uh, coach speak, coach, excuse me, coach speech video that they release every week but in the beginning of it ted Karras, fresh off of telling all the titans fans to go f themselves was in the locker room and you can hear him scream in the background of this discussion of talking about the schedule here's what happened and that's going to be followed by zach taylor talking in a press conference yesterday about the concept of what was talked about and screamed by ted Karras. hey what, what did we say last night about that schedule Just the belief we have in ourselves, and um, again, we we don't need motivation going into any of these games. Um, we always know what the narrative is that that our schedule is difficult. We don't really care about that. You know, at the end of the day, as long as we put in the work, we know we've got the right people in the building. Um, we can play with anybody in the league, and, and we can beat anybody in the league. You know, and it doesn't mean that we can take a day off and go into a game. Assuming we're gonna, that's there's. I'm not saying any of that, but we know that we've got everything it takes to to uh, be a successful team in the league. And so that's that's really where that statement comes from. Is yeah, we're gonna play great teams, but we're a great team also. That I, I first of all, Ted Karras is. <laughs> 
<laughs> man was that dude fired up i can't yeah. wait to talk to him tomorrow uh coming off the field it just that 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 scream of just somebody who is just so you know he's been like that since he got here but you've seen as the intensity of the season has gone up so has uh the intensity of the center number 64 <laughs> i love that i love that yell um that was something that came up in the meeting on saturday night before the game and was really an extension of another social clip that we saw, right, that we talked about after the Pittsburgh game, which was we the big dogs, right? It was Joe Burrow standing on the sidelines with an LFG really loud and reminding everybody we're the big dogs, right? And and it's kind of silly. We're talking about these so, these social clips and things that are – but look, this is the real – these are the visceral real feelings from these guys. Yeah. The, and, and they are sick of hearing about everybody else. And they are tired of people telling them about their schedule and people pointing out that the Chiefs are good and the Bills are good and that Deshaun Watson's coming back and that Tom Brady's on the schedule and that you got to close the year against the Ravens. They are sick of it. And that isn't something that has simmered and come to a head here over the last couple of weeks for this team. Uh, a little bit underneath the surface, and we saw it explode in that post game. Of everybody, better recognize that this Bengals team believes that they are, as Joe Burrow would say, the big dogs. They are the ones that people have to come to see. And as Von Bell, I believe, said yesterday, they got to come see us. You know, there, his point was, he said, we're the defending champs. You got to come see us. Yeah, this isn't about last year, but it goes through us. And they have that belief. There's a real energy and swagger that you would expect from a really good team that is just going through the roof right now internally. And I thought that was a, a really important moment to see that. It, it all comes back. It's cyclical again. It's deja vu again. It was in Tennessee last year or the night before <laughs> when they had the let's get rid of this why not us mentality. It is us. We dem, as DJ Reader famously said <laughs> after that game in Tennessee. And here they are again in Tennessee coming up with this new mindset and this 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 new attitude and bravado. And it it is. It was it, it just I know people don't like looking back on last year, but there's so many parallels. And if you saw the stat that that was tweeted there that uh, NFL Game Day had out um, on ESPN and just how remarkably similar the Bengals numbers are this year to this time last year, it's it's crazy um, that that this team is what early in the year you just thought they weren't quite what they were, and now they are right back where they were stats wise, attitude wise. On a roll, three in a row. They last year they won three in a row under Zach for the first time to kind of roll into the playoffs, where they won three in a row again. Now they're on a three-game winning streak. It's just there's so many parallels. It really is crazy. And the the Karis thing was, I, I think it. I'm almost positive it stemmed. If you, I know a lot of people kind of tune out when the kneel downs happen. Tennessee didn't do the standard, put your hands out, stand up. They were popping that offensive line. And, and Ted took a shot to the head. And I am I am almost positive. We'll have to talk to Ted tomorrow. I'm almost positive that's where that anger came it from. It was. 
because it, it was, was the it was the second down play. It happened once, and then it happened again on the third down play. And he threw his arms up, and he there was a lot of talk. There, the TV camp copy caught Jeffrey Simmons uh, talking back um, after the first or the second down play. It was, I'm sure there was a lot of uh, a lot of things being said during that game, and it just all came to a head there on those kneel downs. No, oh, yeah, that was that was where it all stemmed from, and I, yeah. I mean that Mark Slaughter, uh, who who caught the video of Karras coming off the field, uh, that one's going to get rolled a lot uh, <laughs> in uh, in uh, the future, in really forever, I think, here in the city. Uh, but you know, the the thing is, it's not just about. I, I would disagree with one thing here, Jay, that you said, and that is that the similarities to last year are part of this, and that's for one reason: they were not this confident. They didn't know at this point last year. Not yet. At this point last year, they there was still wonder. They still hadn't done that switch flip that we saw really after that San Francisco game of Burrow shall lead them, like, mm. and, and that we saw. And I, I they know now. Like I, I think they know by the way that they've played, and because you can feel it, and not just because of competition, not just because they beat Tennessee on the road and the physicality of it. I think they know they can feel themselves hitting that run and they but they they know where it ends they already had they had they have the belief preset because of where that because the fact that they are defending afc champions about who they are and that and there is nobody this is something that was phrasing yesterday was that there's absolutely nobody this team would go up against right now and have any single level of intimidation against or any thought that nope. that team uh, they they shouldn't be winning the, the full expectation. And that's just not always the case in this league. In fact, the vast majority of teams, ha- when Kansas City comes to town, are thinking, man, how, how are they going to do this? Well, if there's one team that we know that knows that they are the ones that can do this. It's the Bengals. Um, you know, KFC or KFC got me, got me thinking <laughs> along Jay's Arby's lines here. Uh, KC. Is has the number one offense by a long shot. Uh, they, you know, are amongst the best uh, you'll, that we've seen in a long time offensively. Patrick Mahomes is killing it. You, you know, they are. Their defense has not been as good. They're not as well rounded. You look in the the tiers of EPA per play, uh, offense, defense. You know, the Bengals and Eagles are only ones in the in the top in the best quadrants for both well rounded nature. Now the Chiefs are way out there on offense, and that makes up for the fact that their defense has not been as good. But that you know, they're they're certainly not unbeatable. You can see the ways they can beat, and the Bengals have beaten them like that before. And it, there is this feeling that man, they they sure know that. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. I do want to bring in our good friend and yours, Mo Egger, to talk about a little bit about the uh, what's going on, the attitude around this game. Uh, Mo, welcome back. How was Hawaii? Uh, it was it was awesome. It was uh, incredible. It was sunny. It was warm, uh, and that was just inside the gym. Uh, no, it was uh, it was it was a lot of fun. It was uh, it was a blast. Oh, where would you rather be on Sunday? Back in Hawaii or at Paycor Stadium? That's a very good question. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Bengals played the Steelers in the four twenty-five window, and uh, I watched the game next to the beach. And at halftime, I went in the ocean. And when the game ended, I took a <laughs> cocktail into the ocean. I don't think I was supposed to do that. It was uh, we still had like three hours of daylight. 
that wasn't bad. Uh, but I'm going to be at Paycor Stadium on Sunday. That's going to be a lot of fun, and I don't know that there's a place that I would rather be. Here, here's what I wanted. What I wanted to say. Oh, do we have a tweet? Did we have a tweet count on uh, on Mo? Because you know why? I don't know how this. I don't know how all the things that have been going on would throw off the uh, the normal tweet numbers. No, I did it. it I think we moved away from the tweets a couple weeks ago, and I just haven't been keeping track. So <laughs> that's fair. That is I'm my just, bad. I, just, I, I we can rekindle it. it. Yeah, I know. I know. I just I didn't. I just, I'm always curious. Uh, <laughs> here's here's what I wanted to say, and and this is and you, I'll I won't even ask it as a question, Mo. And I don't because you don't need that. You're a pro. Mm-hmm. You can just you can sure. just go off this. Sunday's why you become a fan. Mm-hmm. This Sunday. Is why you care what happens in the draft. It's why you stay, you scroll your phone at the beginning of free agency. It's why you throw things at the television when they <laughs> stink. It's why you scream and yell about ownership, whether whatever team you're talking about, is so that you can have weeks like this and Sundays like this, especially in the regular season where there's not a finality to an L, and just enjoy what you have. As a franchise that can play in games in your stadium where it feels like the biggest thing happening in the NFL with massive repercussions <clears throat> and best on best and a chance for your every storyline to come front and center. I mean, this is why. This is why you love sports is to be able to have a game like this for the team, whoever it is that you root for. The most underrated thing as a sports fan is to have your team consistently relevant. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you're a Bengals fan, you know what it's like to root for your team or to watch your team through these large swaths of space in which they're not relevant. Um, It's great to win championships. We all want championships. I, I understand that, but I think relevancy is highly underrated. The Bengals are relevant. This is the most relevant game this weekend to, to have, I mean, yeah, I, I a lot of people have made the comparison to all those Brady Manning games, right? From the mid two thousands, and I used to watch those games going, and and for a time thinking they were going to be in a lot of games like that with Carson Palmer, thinking, God, man, it'd be awesome to have that game show up on your schedule on a fairly regular basis and have the entire country watching it. Everybody's weighing in on it. You're not going to win all of them. Hopefully, you win most of them. I, I want my team to be in games like that, regular season games, where obviously there's a lot of meaning. There's a lot of meaning on this game, but it's y- your season isn't over if you lose. Your season isn't torpedoed if you lose. This is awesome. Th- these are the sort of games, like I'm watching last night, Pittsburgh and Indianapolis, dreadful. Ugh, dreadful. Dreadful. And look, Kenny Pickett did some nice things, and it was fun to make fun of Jeff Saturday uh, not calling time out at the end of the game. But just dreadful. Uh, would any of us have really watched that game if it wasn't the Monday nighter? No, nobody nationally is paying attention to the Colts and Steelers. Nobody is locked in on Matt Ryan versus Kenny Pickett. Nobody cares. Everybody has an opinion on Sunday. It could be from a fantasy perspective. It could just be from the standpoint of here you have these two generational quarterbacks who should be dueling each other for years and years and years in Burrow and Mahomes. It could be just for the simple fact that it's an AFC title game rematch. It could be, God, you know what? The Chiefs had a couple of losses last year against Cincinnati in which they blew huge leads. How's this game going to unfold? This game matters, and it's most fun as a sports fan when your team is playing in the games that matter most. This is going to be awesome on Sunday. You know, Paul and I were talking earlier about just how much we're looking forward to it. Um, 
watching from the press box and, and focusing on what's happening on the field. Obviously, you're all, you're in the stands for these games. I'm just curious what you expect, and then looking back, most electric environment that you've been around at Paycor Stadium. Because I know the playoff game last year. I just think there there was some nervous energy to it, and mm-hmm. yes, it was loud and it was it was rowdy. Um, but I. I think there was that little bit of uh, uneasiness among the crowd just uh what what do you expect is it 425 that's an extra three hours for people to get lubed up um <laughs> what what are you expecting um and what in your mind was the the best atmosphere that you've been to in that stadium so let me just tell you what my experience on sunday is going to be like my my brother my younger brother who is 13 years younger than me lives in tuxedo new york he couldn't tell you how many players are on the field during a game. He knows <laughs> less than zero about football. He doesn't care about football. He doesn't watch football. Uh, he knows nothing about the sport. His he's your son, brother. He's my brother. Um, yeah. Are you gonna? It's, it's, it's remarkable. We came really from the same is. dad. He's my half brother. But yes, it's 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 remarkable. Uh, he has an eleven-year-old little boy. Um, who is a Kansas city chiefs fanatic. Like I'm sure a lot of kids around the country are who didn't gravitate toward their local team. So he is a Kansas city chiefs fanatic for my nephew's 11th birthday. My brother uh, bought him tickets. We bought him tickets to this game and we're taking him. And so this kid has never been to an NFL game before. He's never been inside an NFL stadium. And this is going to be his, introduction to the live national football league experience. I'm not sure if I'm jealous of him. I'm not sure if I'm (laughs) fearful for him. So um, I'm going to be watching it with an 11 year old kid. Who's going to be probably, you know, cause 11 year old kids are obnoxious about his favorite team. And, and I don't, and then I'm going to have to be like educating my brother on what exactly is happening. So uh, in the middle (laughs) of all this, you have this hugely consequential, awesome game between Mahomes and Burrow and the chiefs and Bengals who are starting to uh, develop a little bit of a, of a back and forth or a little bit of a rivalry. So that's, that's going to be my experience. I think the atmosphere is going to be absolutely incredible. And I think it's aided by the fact that the team is playing pretty well, right? They've won three straight games. There is a sense of, you know what? Chase is coming back and yeah, the schedule's tough, but look how this team survived his absence winning three straight. And you know what? Baltimore suddenly uh, Lamar still has no one to throw to. He's fighting with fans. That team can't keep a lead. You know, maybe we maybe we counted this team out a little bit too early from the the AFC North race. Um, in terms of the, the the greatest atmosphere that I've ever been a part of at Paul Brown Stadium, the loudest I've ever heard it. The the absolute loudest I've ever heard it was the Seattle game in two thousand fifteen. Yeah. yeah, that's the loudest I've ever heard. That that is the most that I've ever looked around and thought this place is bananas. Um, you know, unfortunately, so many of the home playoff games, I was, uh, if you recall in Wichita for the, uh, the Raiders game <laughs> last year. Um, but you know, the, the other postseason games, there's been this pensiveness that I think compromised the atmosphere. Also, you know, the Steelers game in 2015 was like, you know, 20,000 Steelers fans there. So, mm-hmm. but the, the loudest that I could recall it being, um, in recent years, at least would be, would be 2015. Now, you know, PBS at the time in 2005 was unbelievable, but there isn't like a game that stands out for being more raucous than the others. Um, 
maybe right before the Bengal Steelers game kicked off where Carson Palmer got hurt. But but the the time that I remember most kind of looking around going, this is unbelievable, was that just insane Seattle game. Uh, I think the day after my birthday in 2015. Yeah, I I mean, for me, it's forever going to be the the post-Jermaine Pratt interception against the Raiders uh, mm. I, of the ultimate looking around like, wow, I just never thought I would see this place feel, seem this just totally exalted. But um, a couple of things. Uh, one, we've talked often, Mo, about how the years of 10, 11, and 12 are just the most awesome formative experiences as a sports fan that end up defining you for life. Like, I feel like the way we still talk about the wire to wire Reds video, mm-hmm. like, is just, it's just <laughs> nothing. Where's Kinones? Let's go, Riho. Is still like, but that's because I, I, am, I am incredibly jealous because. That is this type of stuff that just you remember and just it just attaches itself to you for the rest of your life. Um, so I, I'm I'm incredibly jealous there. Uh, the Lamar Jackson situation. Uh, file that under this week in reasons you're happy Joe Burrow's your quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. mean. <clears throat> Things that you would never see Joe Burrow do. It's just, you just wouldn't. I mean, I'll never say never, because who the hell knows? There's a lot of times where things have happened. I'd be like, I never thought I would ever see that. But, you know, the concept of throwing expletives out on Twitter at critical fans. I mean, we've all been there. Like, Mm -hmm. man, I want to, you know what I want to say? You can't do it. And when you want to be paid and you want to be the leader in the face of a franchise, you just can't do it. You can't do anything remotely like that. And it it shows it, it looks like it shows somebody who's crumbling a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. who's starting who's starting to lose it. And I think that if it even it, it even probably gets Bengals fans and Bengals players and staff getting going even more like, look, they're starting to crack. So, and then I I think the roar when uh Jamar Chase assuming the offense is introduced uh, is introduced yeah. on Sunday at Paycor will be amongst one of the loudest you've heard pregame uh, as people anxiously await his return. That's my thoughts. Uh, yeah, there's a lot there. You know, the Lamar Jackson thing, he, he's a wonderful player to watch. Uh, I, I could chalk up what he did to frustration and and him using a, an extraordinarily poor choice of words. I don't think we have to, you know, banish him for life and, you know, uh, constantly refer to him as being an awful human being. But my franchise quarterback is somebody that I want not really caring about what's happening on social media. I don't want him checking Twitter after games. I want him understanding that criticism is part of the gig. Uh, this is somebody who the Baltimore Ravens are making a decision about, you know, being, you know, the overused term face of the franchise, but everything they do moving forward is going to be on his shoulders. If, and maybe when they pay him, that person, that figure can't be clapping back at people on Twitter. Like he's a 12 year old girl. I'm sorry. And mm. and with Joe Burrow, I don't think we ever have to worry about that. He might look at Twitter after games and, and maybe it pisses him off. Maybe it amuses him. Maybe. And my guess is he doesn't look at Twitter after games. I don't know. But I, it, th- I think the thing you're looking for most from a, from somebody in that position is maturity. And I, I didn't see that from Lamar Jackson. And, and I, I understand a lot of his frustration. I mean, if I'm him, I'm looking at, you know, the dudes I'm throwing to, you know, and I, I put this on Twitter after the game on Sunday, and this is before he had his little meltdown. I mean, if you're Lamar Jackson, you're looking at who you're throwing to, and Joe Burrow just won three games without Jamar Chase, and he's about to get him back in a division race that's tied. Oh, boy. So, yeah, I 
I had the exact same thing. Uh, I had the exact same thought and, and just, you know, in, in, in terms of, of the game on Sunday, I, you know, the, the sky is seemingly limited if, if they win this game. I mean, we all mm-hmm. talked about how they had to beat Pittsburgh and Tennessee because OMG, the chiefs are looming. And now suddenly that game doesn't seem all that formidable. I do think there's some interesting symmetry to where we were a year ago, right? They were five and four. They won two games, came home for three, lost the first two, and then put themselves, you know, really behind the eight ball, if memory serves me correct. Um, And so now here they are, seven and four, and they're coming back for two home games against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and then Deshaun Watson and a Browns team that beat him by 19 points uh, about a month ago. And so there, there is some interesting symmetry there. Hopefully, this team can do better at this stage than the Bengals did last year at this stage. I maybe my, I think maybe the seventh win came at home and then they lost back to back on the road last year. So uh, I think that's actually the case. Yeah. They beat Pittsburgh and then they, yeah. Um, but they were seven and four flying high lost two, had to go to Denver and win. Uh, I think this team needs to avoid that outcome. And I think they can. Before we get to bets, I want to offer the opposite of symmetry with my son. The first time I took him to a Bengals game at 10 years old, uh, the Bengals were in the middle of a 10-game losing streak. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were playing the Jaguars. There was a fight on the field, and Andrew Whitworth was ejected, (laughs) and a Jaguars fan was walked out by security right up our aisle with puke all down the front of his shirt. So that's where it's family, Mo. uh, That's right. That's right. Football is family. family. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I I don't. I don't know. I I don't. I have a. I have a fear. I I mean, like I've said this on my show. Maybe I've said it here. There was a time in like the mid two thousands, and I didn't. I didn't have a kid. I, I. was not even thinking about bringing a child to a game, but I would go, I can't imagine bringing a kid to one of these, the angry <laughs> young man factor, mm-hmm. like going to games in that like Oh five, Oh six, Oh four, Oh five, Oh six stretch was fun. But there was like, th- there was a sort of roughness to it that I don't think exists anymore. I think there's two things. I think number one for as much, um, for as much criticism as the Bengals have gotten in the past for their game day experience, I think they've done a really good job of making it known. You're not going to behave like an a-hole here. Number two, I just feel like maybe some of those people from the mid two thousands have grown up. Um, but where I sit, you don't get away with being a, a, a jerk. You don't, whether you're rooting for the Bengals or somebody else. And so I feel like, you know, and maybe I'm jinxing us here, but every Monday, the big lead.com shows like the latest NFL fan fight. It's never the Bengals. It's never <laughs> us. So hopefully that <laughs> remains the case as I bring my beautiful 11 year old nephew in his <laughs> Patrick Mahomes Jersey. Yeah. No, they had the, they had the vomiting neck brace girl. I think vomiting neck brace girl. Yeah. That was the one. That's okay. You have that. that. Whatever. All right. Let's just take a quick break. Let's quickly get to bets here. Uh, Jay, where do we stand? How far ahead am I? Um, You are very far. Well, you're not actually that far. Mo's starting to make up some ground. Paul, you're at plus 206. Mo is at plus 145.4. And uh, I'm creeping up on even at minus 6.4. Okay. Uh, All right, Mo, lead us off. What you got? So I think this is a better's trap. The over-under has already gone from 51.5 to 52.5, and I bet it climbs because I think you're going to have a lot of people who see Burrow, they see Mahomes, they see Chase coming back, and they hammer the over. Well, the reality is the Chiefs 
betting on the under has been more profitable. The under is six and five this year with the Bengals. The under is six, four and one. So that means if you're going to bet the over, you're looking at a wager that this season with these two teams involved is a combined nine, 12 and one. I think this number is going to climb. It's 52 and a half. I'm going to wait and see where it is on Sunday, but I think I'm going to go under 52 and a half points. I like Cincinnati's defense. There is no Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Lou Anarumo had the kryptonite for Patrick Mahomes in the postseason last year. And the Bengals, from an offensive standpoint, I don't think anybody would be surprised if they got off to a little bit of a slow start. There's still some degree of uncertainty about uh, Joe Mixon. I'm going to go under. Right now, it's 52 and a half. I'm going to wait and see where we are on Sunday. I'm still going to hit the under. I also am going to stay on that trend. Uh, the Giants and Commanders, this number's at 41 and a half. We have two of the slowest pace offenses in the league. We have a Giants defense that with the week off is going to get healthier. In Taylor Heineke's three starts, Washington has scored 20 points or less. And in division games in December or later since 2003, the under is hit 60% of the time. The number is low. It's 41 and a half. I'm going to go under Washington and the G-men. It's fun. I went the complete opposite of you. I'm going over Bengals Chiefs 52.5. I didn't see that it had already gone up some, but I just not convinced that this this Bengals defense, they've played well. I mean, they gave up 30 to Pittsburgh. Yeah. What are they going to give up to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs? How much better are they going to be with Jamar Chase back? I, I think we're in for a shootout. I think it's going to look a lot more like Week 17 than it did in the AFC Championship game. Um, I Typically, when you see a high number, I like going under. I love when it's a super low number in the 30s, taking the over there. But I'm, I'm going to put 15 on a, on a straight bet of the Bengals Chiefs over. And then I'm, I'm still trying to catch up. So I'm, I'm going parlay. But I love all three of these. Minnesota minus three against the Jets. We've seen this Mike White thing before. He comes in, he has a great game, and then he just a clunker the very next week. Um, the second leg of the parlay, Tennessee plus five at Philadelphia. I think Tennessee is going to bounce back from that game. I think they're built perfectly to defend this Philadelphia offense. And then Atlanta minus one against Pittsburgh. There's no way those Steelers are winning two games in a row on the road. I know Atlanta's not very good, just like Indy wasn't very good. Pittsburgh's playing better. But that, that's still a bad team. They're not going to win two in a row on the road. All right. Here's here's your headline. Okay. This is mm. this is what you're going to be. This is going to be, I don't know who's writing the gamer, but uh, <laughs> this is going to be the headline on Sunday night after you do your uh, your walk out. This is it. Get ready Screenshot for it. That. It's coming. That that Screenshot could go that bad boy. That could go one of two ways. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're talking about a rookie making his third career start going this against Patrick it. Mahomes. What? In five years when we're like, man, remember that Chiefs game? I'm going to go, yeah, Cam Taylor Brick came up big. Uh, screenshot that. We'll save that for uh, to be the, the photo. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and we will talk more about that particular topic at more line from three to four today. I have more will. for you, Joe. Uh, all right, for Mo. Uh, let's, let's, uh, I want to say, I, I want to bargain with you guys, if you guys will let me. Okay. Broncos at Ravens is an under 39. What odds will you give me if I say under 30? Ooh. Will you give me two, three to one? Can I get I three gonna, to one? Yeah, I was going to go like plus 350. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, how about yeah. three? To, give me three to one, and I'll say I'll move it to under 30. I want Broncos, Ravens under 30. I'm thinking six, three 
is where this thing ends. But I just want under thirty. Uh, at the, the way the, the the way Russell Wilson's going, two really good defenses. Uh, they, yeah, that number can't be low enough. So give me three to one. I'll take uh, put that as a half for me. Ten ten units of fake stuff, and then uh, I'm with you. I'm going Bengals Chiefs over. I think shootout is upon us uh, as well, and so I'm I'm running with that on the other half. It just it just it just feels like it. Uh, at, at Cam Taylor Brett game, yes, I see that very well done. We'll talk about that again at Moreland Lager House, three to four on ESPN fifteen thirty. Mo, it has been a pleasure getting back. We're back in our regular routine that we're going to be in all the way through what mid February potentially is that what you're mid February yes mm-hmm. yes mid February back in our regular I'm, spots no more of this no more of this you know Hawaii trips and vacation stuff nope we're here every hey man you're out jaunting off to a Bucks County Pennsylvania what are you talking hey, about look you you want <laughs> stories from Hershey I will give them to you okay we got I got plenty uh, thanks Mo we'll talk to you later see you guys all right uh great to have Mo Egger with back with us of course uh want to uh move it forward now as we look a little bit more into what's going to happen this week we've got uh you know we talked with a few people yesterday um and we we talked with Luana Rumo uh Von Bell Tyler Boyd Zach Taylor all the players day off on Monday uh so it wasn't an open locker room situation um one thing that came up and was sort of a question was Hey, is this, uh, this this rivalry now happening between uh, Kansas City and Cincinnati? Is this, is this going to be a budding rivalry? And uh, Tyler Boyd said something that I just thought was great, and uh, I want to bring you a little bit of what he had to say. Here's here's Tyler Boyd to that question. I kind of look back of it as like a Manning and Brady, you know, because um, you kind of can't stop them. You know, it's going to come down to whoever um, – Excel and take advantage of their opportunities and drives, you know, and, and score points, you know, with the, these are the type of games that when we play, uh, we got to take care of the football and um, don't, 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 don't turn it over. Who's Manning and who's Brady? <laughs> I mean, I don't it's, it's, it's Burrow and, 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 and Mahomes, you know, I, I wouldn't compare them, but I know those are two guys that, you know, has records for the uh, fastest three quarterbacks, two quarterbacks to reach 10,000 yards. So, I mean, it's kind of hard to stop Burrow. It's, it's kind of hard to stop stop uh, uh, Mahomes. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I think Burrow won up two up teams. So, yeah, so whichever one you want to pick and whoever got the most wins, then there you go. Whoever's got the most wins is, is whose Burrow is. You know, I mean, not very quick to put that in there, you know, and uh, Von Bell had some similarly uh, confident statements sort of. And there was an attitude of, look, you know, I think they pointed to the defense. It, I love, love the way that the Bengals defense is playing and love, love what they've been able to do. The question that we'll get into, and it'll be really fun on Thursday, we have Nate Taylor from Kansas City, who's awesome, friend of the program, of course, uh, to talk about everything with the Chiefs. But, you know, they're – Defense has been a work in progress at times this year, and he'll he'll offer a little bit more on that. Um, but you know, Kansas City and Mahomes, uh, they have some they have something. You know, it's again an axe grinder game, right? I mean, it's another one of those. Mahomes was already talking about. I, I played terrible in the second half last year, and I'm and he remembers it. And we'll, we'll see what that means when they come back uh, here on Sunday. Yeah, and really going to be interesting because Lou pointed out I mean, he was asked yesterday about um, the decision to to drop eight as much as he did in that 
in that AFC championship game, was that the plan going in? Was it something he adjusted to as the game went on? And he said, they're not going to be able to do that again. Now, now maybe that's a ruse. Maybe they do do it. You had success. Do you go away from it? Or do you expect Kansas City is going to be expecting that and and go in a different direction? But um, I am really interested to see how everybody's going to be focused on Mahomes and Versboro and how those guys perform and Chase and all the other stars on offense. But um, Lou is so good at this, eh? coming up with game plans uh, before the game and then coming up with something to switch it up at halftime. And I, I think that's going to be really intriguing to see what he does to try to counter what Patrick Mahomes is able to do. And a, a lot of what they did last year in both of those games, one of the more remarkable things that's not quite talked about as much and especially you see how much he's going off right now. I mean, they really did a number on Travis Kelsey. He, he got he got his targets and catches, but they kept everything in front. He he can wreck a game it, it, for a tight end, and they were they were terrific against him. And a big part of that was Trey Flowers in that uh, in that role of stopping a tight end. Um, I, I'm really interested to see. They don't have Tyreek Hill anymore. They, they're spreading it around more without Tyreek Hill. They're not leaning on him as much. And Travis Kelsey is a big part of that. But uh, could they make it three in a row where Travis Kelsey is a non-factor? Yeah, I mean, between that and all the drop eight, I mean, how much is Kansas City's practice and Andy Reid this week just all about, look, this is not going to happen to us again. Here's how you deal mm-hmm. with it. Play the, we're going to play the ball game of the first half. We're, gonna, we're, gonna let the, we're not going to let them test our patience. We're not going to let them befuddle us. You know, we're going to know what this is. We're going to have a game plan for that. Um, so the idea, I, I always, uh, so in, um, this is going to, our young, I'm, I apologize to our young listeners because I'm going to old myself out here at 42. But uh, in Karate Kid 1 and 2, there is, at the end of Karate Kid 1, there is uh, the big moment where the crane technique shows up. And uh, Daniel Daniel LaRusso puts his arms up and his knee up, and he he does the kick and knocks Johnny Lawrence right in the nose and wins the tournament. It's like, ah, the crane kick. It's the big winner. He's been practicing it on the stump at the beach with Miyagi. What a moment, right? In Karate Kid 2, he goes to Okinawa, and he tries to do that against like an Okinawan like, master who wants to kill him, literally. And he just takes the crane and just throws it away and almost tosses him into this river. And it's like, I feel like you're worried about the Okinawa moment. Okay. You're worried about, okay, seen it. I, I, I see your crane kick. I see your drop eight. I see your take Kelsey out of it. All right. It's time to catch it and throw you in the river. You know, that's, it's the response, the adjustment, what happens next. Um, in fairness, Daniel LaRusso survives and gets the girl. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Sorry for those of you who want to go watch Karate Kid 2. Stop there, by the way. Don't keep going to three. It's all illegitimate after that. But, you know, it, it's it's going to be about the adjustment. To think that that's going to work again, to think that that's going to be the mm-hmm. thing again, I don't know is true. One other thing I want to talk about that's been a news item this week before we get into our segments, because we have a few, is uh, the concept of, okay, Joe Mixon comes back from concussion. Man, Samaj P. Ryan's been playing good. What's going to happen here? And it was, uh, I know Kelsey Conway wrote some, uh, an opinion about it on the Inquirer uh, coming out of the game, but hey, Piran should be the lead back. And uh, I, I certainly respect any opinion put out there. And, and it's, it's a conversation piece uh, worth having at, at this point about what, what do you do with Samaj Piran? You, you're just going to start taking him off the field more. 
Um, I think there's some important perspective in involved in that. Um, and that is, and people know that we certainly were bashing Joe Mixon for what was happened early in the game. Um, or excuse me, in the season and, and how he was struggling so bad. But how about this, Jay? Since week six, amongst all running backs, Mixon is first in the NFL in rushing success percentage. Now, that's not a few explosive runs. Remember, the, Car- the one Carolina game, right? Mm. All his rushes. This is about not a couple big ones. This is about consistency. First, amongst all running backs in success percentage and averaging 4.9 yards per carry uh, in that time. Um, up over 50% in success percentage. Pirine is 13th uh, in that in that span, 42% and four yards per carry. That, I mean, that alone, show where they've kind of been. And, and let's not forget the last time Joe Mixon was really on the field in full, there's five touchdowns and 200 plus yards from scrimmage mm-hmm. like that. And the energy that he brings. Now people would point to, okay, well, as receivers, how about this since week six, they have, identical both run 94 routes exactly they have both caught exactly 80 percent of the attempts thrown to them mixon has nine yards per attempt p ryan 7.4 yards per per attempt p ryan has him a little bit in yak at 9.1 to 8.5 partially because mixon's had a couple balls he's caught downfield he caught that deep intermediate dig uh, against Cleveland and uh, had the, you know, the obviously the touchdown down the field coming the comeback scramble route against Carolina. P. Ryan doesn't do as much of that, but P. Ryan's been really solid at taking those check downs and breaking a tackle to a tough runner. You love what you're seeing from him there. Um, now, pass pro, yeah, <laughs> edge, edge, Samaje P. Ryan, and where the argument yeah. comes in, right, is okay. This, if you're going to be a team that's going to be throwing the ball far more than you're going to run it, if you're just running for efficiency's sake, um, perhaps more P. Ryan is part of the answer, and that's part of this equation, Jay. The the interesting thing here is that they're all teams are always about trying to self diagnose diagnose their tells, and it it felt for a while like you kind of knew if. If P. Ryan was on the field, it was going to be a pass. And if Mixon was on, and it wasn't going to be a run if Mixon was on the field. But you knew when P. Ryan came in, that's what the plan was, that he was in there for pass pro to leak out and catch passes. And that's not the case anymore. And, you know, do you have to have an RB1 and an RB2? I mean, can you have a 1 and a 1A? Can they can they live? I know it will frustrate fantasy owners to all get out, but can they live just rotating those guys? I mean, this conversation's coming up more right now, but you go back. It was in play in week three at the end of that Jets game when you saw Samaje go in there and finish off that game and, and run so effectively and uh, kind of, you know, pique your interest of what, you know, the why, why isn't Joe Mixon able to get this going? Or why is Samaje P. Ryan, especially when everybody in the building knew they were going to run it and they were still able to be effective? Um, I, I don't know where they go. I, I you're not gonna see, I don't not at this point, you're not gonna see Samaje take over as the main guy, but he has certainly earned more playing time and, and you you can feel confident sticking him in there and not just saying, okay, there's there's a pass coming. I mean he can he can slam it up in there. He is a tough runner. He is he 
he's much more reserved and he doesn't have that, that energy and that juice to him that Joe Mixon does. But um, I, I am really interested, interested to see what's going to happen in these last six games, what that, that snap split's going to look like, what that carry split's going to look like. I don't know specifically how much Tyler Boyd knew about this conversation, but he's on social and he's very much aware of most things. I thought it was notable the second he was asked something about Samaje, he's like, uh, I mean, Mixon's our guy and Samaje's a good backup. It was like the first words out of his mouth. Joe Mix is our guy. Uh, it, I think there was a little bit. Here's the thing. Uh, Joe Mixon's a captain. He's an energy guy. Benching him or not starting him or taking a chop, major chop out of his base downs is does no, no good in the big picture of this season. Zero. Zero. That said, there is a solution here, and I think the one that I would anticipate if you're going to see anything would be there's these second and mids, right? second and six second and seven where you could shift it ends up being what are we talking about five seven eight ten percent of snaps these second and mids where you could flip over to sort of a pirine package where you're more okay pass first but still not afraid to run it or 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 hit the check down where maybe you take mixing out of the equation on those just for the pass pro aspect to have that as a little bit more uh, of of a weapon, maybe that's what it is. But keep this in mind when you're talk, looking at when we look back on it on Sunday is what it is. You're not going to see some major flip, but weeks five, six, seven, eight, where they're both healthy, what it looked like. This is it's been pretty much the same. Mixing seventy one snap percentages here. Mixing seventy one to twenty eight. Week six, mixing 72 to 24. Week seven, mixing 72 to 29. Week eight, mixing 72 to 24. It's kind of, and then after that, you had concussion and all the stuff that's gone on. Mm. You know, that's what it has looked like. Will it be 65, 30, right? Or whatever it ends up being. Is that is that the change? And, and get Pirine up into the mid 30s. I mean, I think that's what they're looking at, right? That's where they're assessing the Pirine expansion at is when you're still, you could run it, but you're probably passing it. And how many downs are there? I mean, there's some, but that's where you could see the effectiveness of a guy like P. Ryan show up because you lean into the pass pro. But otherwise, it's important to remember what Mixon has been number one mm-hmm. in the league in success percentage. And what do they say first when we ask them about running the ball all the time? Not that they need to have big yards, efficiency. They need right. to be successful on runs that's what they say every single time you ever ask them about running number one in the league in success percentage since week six that's an important thing to remember when you have the joe mixon conversation again we'll see how that plays out um okay uh i want to get into let's drop on a couple reader questions i want to thank everybody that's hopped on the youtube stream Good to see y'all here. Uh, hit the like button, subscribe, all that stuff. If you in, enjoy the content, we've got more content coming for you this week that we're excited about. Uh, I think you're going to like one that we may or may not have referenced on the walkout for those of you that are hardcore listeners. I'll tease it that way. Um, but either way, thanks to everybody for dropping in. Let me drop in some questions. Uh, thanks to Tom Brooks for uh uh, pointing out, oh, excuse me, thanks for Nathan Schneider for pointing out that three is now good because of the Cobra Kai series. I haven't gone all the way into the Cobra Kai series, admittedly, 
I've tried it and I never really went all the way in. I need to. It, it does feel like a bit becoming a bit of a blind spot uh, f- for me. Okay. Uh, Huber Chrisman questions. Matt Brewer, what are they going to do with Huber? They can only elevate Chrisman one more time, I believe, before he has to be on the active roster. At that point, do they release Huber and put him on the PS? Jay, you wrote a little bit about Chrisman Huber today. You're right. One more elevation. You know, they, they, I think at this point, Chrisman has done enough where it's just a matter of how they want to do it right now. Huber will make the same amount of money regardless uh, of whether he is released today or in a week or stays the rest of the season. It's all the same to him. It's clearly Chrisman's job. It's just a matter of if they want to put him on the active or do the one last elevation just to be sure before they make the official move. Yeah, this, I mean, this franchise typically doesn't make a move until they have to. So it would surprise me if they if they were to go, cut Huber this week. I think they just wait, play it out, do all three elevations for Chrisman before they make the decision. And I earlier I didn't think there was any chance of this, but it just the way that they've kind of been soft shoeing around the Huber thing. I mean, there's there is a a real level of respect and appreciation there, and not wanting him to have the indignity of, of being cut and yes, it has to happen and it's a business, but I mean, it wouldn't surprise me to see them bring him back on the practice squad. They're, they're operating right now with two openings on the practice squad. It's, it's not like you have to fill those spots with, with guys um, at, at main positions anymore with there being 16 of them. And if you bring Kevin Huber back along for the ride, he can be an incredible mentor for Drew Chrisman as the games get bigger. Uh, he can he can take some of the reps in practice and, and take some of the, the – I, I, I don't want to say wear and tear on Chrisman's leg because he hasn't been punting a lot. We don't know how much he's been doing in practice. It's been a pretty even split, but but he can handle some of the, the, those things. He can, he can do some of the holding in practices. And I just – I think there's there would be some value there and there would be – the the chance for for Kevin Huber to to possibly enjoy one more postseason ride and the Bengals hope it's going to go deep and um, I didn't think it was a possibility once earlier in the year that once they made this move to Chrisman because um, you figure Kevin Huber's not going anywhere no one's going to pick him up if you cut him he's going to be five minutes away he can be to the stadium in a second if an emergency arises but for those reasons I I, I do think that there is a chance they could bring him back on the practice squad after they move on and, and put Chrisman on the 53. Yeah, uh, we'll see how that all uh, plays out. Uh, let's go to Dustin Merritt, who uh, says, very impressed with the offense showing different ways to win. What do you think we will see this week? Uh, getting Chase and Mixon back opens about everything up. Um, you you want to see Joe Burrow throw it? Yeah, that's what you're gonna get <laughs> i think you know i last week was the hey uh don't make the mistake this they can't score on us consistently enough take your shots when you get them but for the most part more on the conservative side let the defense and the turnovers decide this game let's just do our thing let's be physical let's try to run the ball uh where we need to let's 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 have that be a part of this and hit your shots when you got them be explosive when it's there and they were right burrow three of three throwing the ball deep down the field t higgins winning jump balls against roger mccreary um, of which I think they thought they were going to throw 10 of them of T Higgins against Roger <laughs> McCreary. They, they hit enough of them. Uh, but that was last week. This week is, I think there's an understanding. It was probably going to be a shootout. 
Like this, it's probably going to be a shootout. You you have to keep pace. You have to play offense with these guys. Yeah, you got to trust your defense to make stops. But you know, this is go for it on fourth downs. This is not take the points. This is you know we talked about that. There was a we didn't talk a ton about the fourth down decision early in the Tennessee game uh, that we've we've seen teams make. Uh, but it, it last week felt like on both sides is a take the points game. And and the Steelers too felt like it was going to be that way. I don't think this is going to be more of the aggression that we've seen from Zach Taylor in games like this, going forward on fourth downs, trying to get touchdowns. Luckily, they've been very good at that in the red zone. But I think it's going to see everything to to try to post. Nate Taylor, when we would have him on last year, said you got to try to post thirty five and see what happens against the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And I think. I think that's where you're at in this one is get the points, go for the points, know that you're going to need a lot of them, let Burrow open it up. I think it's going to be a big part of what this one is. Post 35 and don't give Mahomes the ball with more than 35 seconds left. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe also, that's too high. Yeah, also also a big part of that. Uh, thank you for that question. Um I guess uh, last one, there's some more questions here about Mixon and Pirine potentially playing together. That's, I mean, you you start going, I don't see that. I mean, you could you could maybe do that. I don't see that because you're you're taking Boyd off the field or you're taking Higgins or Chase. Or I, that's not a role, a direction I see them going. They haven't done that hardly at all. I mean, if you're you're talking about a snap or two in maybe some kind of a goal line situation or something. But again, I, it's not something that I, I don't see, I don't think they see a value in that, uh, in that happening. Um, so I don't know. I mean, we're quite, let's see, let's see. Victor Pate, uh, greetings from London. Uh, no, sorry. That's the wrong one. It, yes. Hi from London is Dax Hill rookie season going to be a wash. Um, well, another four or five snaps. He's he's still too raw to play corner. Um, Cam Taylor Britt is in that spot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, yeah. Barring injuries, I, I don't see where he suddenly breaks through. They haven't put him into the Trey Flowers role. I doubt they do it this week, considering what Jay mentioned earlier, the success that Trey Flowers had against Kelsey last year um, in those matchups, at least uh, as much as you can. Um, I don't think you're going to throw a rookie who has hardly played out there against Kelsey, um, one who got a touchdown thrown against him already this year in a tight end one-on-one. So, yeah, I I think that's it. It's it, You're in a barring injury situation that you're just not going to see much from Dax Hill, and he's going to be the pick for the future and not for the now. Yeah, I mean, two of those snaps on Sunday were just because Cam Taylor got his bell rung and and it would have been even fewer snaps had that not happened. And so that is, you said it, barring injury, I don't think we're going to see him much. I do think he's first corner off the bench on the outside. I I think they put him in there over Trey Flowers at this point. However, yeah, uh, Dax Hill, that's just just where it is right now. Um, You you need to see a bell or a Bates or Apple or Cam Taylor Britt go down and not Mike Hilton because that would be Jalen Davis coming in inside mm-hmm. the slot. All right, let's move on to segments. Jay, it's Arby's time. Any related Bengals insights, extras, and stories? Like maybe you might have something from the Nashville weekend, right? You got, is that where you're coming from or you got something else? Uh, well, I, I have a cup. I have a 
an ad Arby's. Uh, we were at what? Tootsie's at Tootsie's bar and they were serving liquid death. Oh. They, 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 if you wanted water at the bar, which is a smart move in Nashville, you need to hydrate. And I saw a lot of people with uh, liquid death cans. I was kind of surprised by that. Um, why would you be I, surprised by that? Jay? I just haven't seen bars. A lot of times at bars, when you get around. water, they just have the little, they just fill you up a little ice water. I haven't mm. seen them actually sell it. Um, There's money it to be make, made, Jay. You're right. And there is uh, the – so we went 15 miles south to watch the Ohio State-Michigan game, um, had some beers, um, then switched over to a bucket of beer, had food. Our bar, our bill for that four hours at that hotel bar to watch the game was less than one round of shots I bought in downtown Nashville later that night. They are making a killing on alcohol down there. I don't know what they were selling the liquid death for. Whatever it is, it's worth it. But I I just I was surprised to see cans of liquid death in a bar. See them all over the place elsewhere, but not in bars. I'm just um, surprised to hear about you buying round of shots, Jay. It's just very unlike you. Uh not to, to be doing shots. It's just it's just not something that I typically see from you. Normally, people are happy when you do that. People got mad at me because it was pretty late in the night. They, they, at the time, they were happy. <laughs> the next day, I, they, I got some angry texts like, "Why did you do that?" All right, you have another. <laughs> you have another Arby's. You're going two Arby's on me. Well, I do. Uh, so I, I didn't work this into my story. I just thought it was a, a funny quote from from not a funny quote, but uh, Jesse Bates. I was talking to him and um, the defense and the run defense and and how much he's seen the improvement. Um, in his time here. And he said, since the transition, meaning Zach coming in um, for, for Marvin, I've been a part of it where we couldn't stop the run for shit. And now <laughs> we're to the part where DJ reader is the Henry killer. Um, and I, I, I kicked myself for not working that one into the story because the whole story was what they did to DJ reader. But yeah, um, Jesse Bates uh, was, was as you guys, if you listen to the walkout, he was the one I was talking to when when Jacksonville got the two point conversion and the place erupted. And um, just really appreciate him taking the time to do an interview with me while the rest of the team was standing around the TV. Along those lines, and uh, an uh, additional onto the Arby's there was Von Bell uh, asked about how DJ Reader was apparently talking trash and what it sounds like. And he pointed out <laughs> at one point, Reader made a big stop and got up and just said, Do you know who I am? I love it. I'm going to use that. I'm, I think it's time to start using that. Do you know who I am? Right? DJ Reader. I mean, he is. He is. What is it? The kids, they love it. They love uh, he's him, right? I think yeah. uh, when it comes when it comes to defensive tackle play right now, uh, you need to know who DJ Reader is. That's for sure. Um, do not right, my, use do you know who I am if you get pulled over by the police. No, do not. No, do not. Or And don't use it in a situation where you don't have a credential in place yes. you're supposed to either. Um, okay, let's go to mine. So I had a question about the million game balls given away. You get a game ball and you get a game ball, the Oprah post game, right? And so we had everybody, special teams, offense, defense, everybody gets a game ball, right? Who makes those, right, was my question, okay? I had this vision of our good guy trunk in the equipment room hanging his head in sadness of, <laughs> I have to make 60, how many game balls do I now have to make? Like The concept of having to make the game balls, give out, because they have to, they got to write them, they got to make them, they're special, they have these like white caps on them. 
Uh, I was told no, in case anybody else had this question. There is actually a company that creates them, uh, that uh, their equipment guy, Adam Nolman, uh, goes through to make all of the official game balls that are given to every player. So that company, who I don't have the name of them, so sorry, uh, if they would like to buy some sponsorships, I'd be happy to let them into the program, uh, (laughs) is very happy about the business that they got. How closely must they watch every one of those post-game speech videos? Come on, 68 game balls, right? (laughs) Come on, 68 game balls. Uh, One other funny thing, uh, Duke Tobin and some of the personnel guys were walking through a tunnel as uh, I was back there and talking about that exact situation, the game balls. And uh, he and Duke was just kind of laughing, and he's like, "Yeah, there it is. Everyone gets a game ball. You get a game ball. Offense and defense and special teams. Where's the game balls for the personnel guys? Right? Like, where's my personnel guys get a game ball? No game balls for them." He, of course, was very much joking and being self-deprecating, yeah. uh, not saying that he wants one, but it was just kind of a funny. No personnel staff getting any game balls. Everybody's gonna get one. Where's theirs? You know, where's theirs for hanging on to Trent Irwin and knowing that he could be a dude for for a number of years and all. All the guys they brought in uh, thought that was funny. Uh, Duke Tobin walking through with that that sort of observation to the game ball conversation. So that's my game ball thoughts. Was, my game ball thoughts. Well, it was funny too because it was just last week. Zach got asked about the first game ball he ever got, and he was shiting Sean McVay for handing him out like candy, and yeah. that's why he got one. And then he turns around and hands him <laughs> out like candy a few days later in Tennessee. Look. From somebody who has a lot of candy on their hands right now, coming back from Hershey, let me tell you, it's don't don't hand things out like candy. It ends poorly at bedtime. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, okay, uh, run, pass, or boot. We had one from last week, Jay. How did last week's go? So it was uh, what would be higher: Titan sacks, Bengals points off turnover, or McPherson field goals, hmm. and. It was one of the lowest run passer boots we ever had because McPherson won with two field goals. Titans had one sack and there were no points off turnovers because there was no turnovers. Um, so uh, I ran with field goals. You booted field goals. So I won that one. It was my first run passer boot since the Atlanta game where I got the run right. Congratulations. <laughs> Good I don't know that. It's kind of a it's kind of a sad stat, really. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. Uh, no, I don't think Joe Burrow will tell you that one sack is sad, though. He'll he'll take that. Yeah, uh, no sad sack. Uh, let's. I've got run passer boot Jay in in full transparency. We couldn't come up with one before, but I've got one now on the spot. All right, I can think I on the think, fly. I think it's good. I think on the fly. Most likely to happen. The Bengals end up winning the AFC North. Mahomes is held under 300 yards on Sunday. Chase goes over 200. Bengals win the North. Mahomes under 300. Chase over 200. I'm going to go with, uh, wow, that's tough. Yeah, I thought it was pretty Um, good on the spot. It is. Um. Like I gave the Bengals no chance to win the AFC North a couple weeks ago, and Baltimore's made me rethink that. Um, I I don't I don't know that I feel good about either one of the other two happening. So I will I'll run with the Bengals win the AFC North. Um, I'll 
I'll pass on Mahomes going under 300. Maybe maybe Mo's right. Maybe this turns into a much more defensive struggle uh, like the AFC Championship game was. Um, and then I'll boot Chase over 200. I'm just, I don't know. First game back, uh, he's going to get a lot of attention from that defense. It's not a great defense. But I think that, that'd be asking a little too much for him to go over 200 in his first game back. Yeah, I I'm with you. I'm going to run with the Bengals winning the North, too. I mean, I just – we talked about it. I mean, you just look at the way the Ravens have been playing, the the cracks, the things that you're seeing. Mm. It just – a lot of it isn't adding up over there, struggling with Jacksonville, struggling with Carolina a little bit. Um, their offense, that they don't have – there's no Jamar Chase re- walking through that door no. in Baltimore. And their their offense has the lack of weapons that it has, um, and that has been accentuated by the loss of Bateman for the year. Um, I think the Bengals could chase him down, especially if they end up in a one game needing needing it for the win. And we'll be keeping a close eye on the divisional games, the Bengals Browns, and then those Ravens divisional games too, to see if they can come back to the pack. And that could potentially be a tiebreaker that swings back um, if the Bengals can overcome that zero and three start. Uh, so I'm going to go with that. Uh, I'm going to pass on Chase. There's a chance Chase could still go off. I mean, look, it only takes a couple. We've seen him run away from people uh, to to get that thing going and and firing off quick. I'm going to boot him. I just I just think Mahomes is going to going to throw for a lot of yards, even if they fall behind. Right? Even more so if they fall behind. I mean, the idea of the Chiefs moving to a running game plan at any point, I think, is unlikely. Maybe that's the Andy Reid. Move the chess move against the eight drop eight is comfortably calling runs. I just don't see that. And I, I do think he'll he'll be able to do Mahomesian things. So that's mine that one on the fly. Okay, let's uh wrap it up here with a growler bet recap from this past weekend. Of course, our growler bet was Derek Henry rushing yards, and the Bengals fairly famously now held him to 17 carries for 38 yards at 2.2 per carry. Man, I went in, Jay, and I said, man, ain't going to be nobody near that. Nobody was thinking that they're going to hold them, hold Derrick Henry to 38 yards. Hmm. I'd like to give a shout out to John Harth, who sent me an email, called him Princess Henry, (laughs) and said... 39 yards. Oh, oh my gosh. so close. So close. You, you even took the shot at him. You disparaged him. You went under 40. Not quite, though. No beer for you. Uh, unfortunately, the delicious 50 West beer stays in optimistic Bobby's hands. Uh, but keep sending in your answers, of course. We appreciate that. We will have the new ones on Thursday. We will have Nate Taylor joining us. We have another special guest that will join us that I'm excited about uh, for this week. So look out for that. And, of course, the walkout on Sunday after the big Bengals-Chiefs match uh, on CBS. Romo game. Bengals Mm -hmm. fans, I'm prepared for my mentions to be filled with people complaining about Tony Romo. Um, Just can't get enough of that. Uh, So, all right. Thanks to everybody for listening. We will catch you on Thursday as we go all in on Bengals-Chiefs. Uh, looking forward to it. Talk to you then. Have a good one.